0: have an infatuation with history. You just love history. You love to know where you came from. Does anyone know where they came from? Like, you know generations back, generations and generations. So there's something about our culture that loves to know where we came from. And I think we often seek to find legacy in our lineage, right we seek to find this famous history maker or this star that we're somehow related to i think it's because when they pass we hope to get an inheritance right <laughs> but we want to know that the life that we are currently living was somewhere more does that make sense so we see people whose 45.5 million people who have visited ancestry.com just in the last 6 months this tells me that there's something we care about about our history, that we hope that our lineage has strength and dignity, right? Biblically, when you look at the history of people, lineage was a very important thing. If you go back through the Old Testament, many of us have skipped these chapters where it's verse after verse of name after name that you can't read or understand, but there's something about history. Abraham wanted to have a, a, to leave a legacy. He wanted to leave behind a legacy to his blood but he didn't have blood. He cared very much about this fact that he didn't have that. So there's something about lineage that is so, so important and it's why we see Jesus's lineage recorded in both Matthew and Luke. However, how many of you know if you just look at your lineage and a list of names, it can be a little scary. Some of us know our history. Some of us know the mess that we came from, right? Jesus came from this same kind of mess, which is what I'm going to speak from today. But as I've been kind of diving into this, I've been thinking about my own history and where I started. And I started, was conceived to a young couple at 16 and 18 years old. And in that couple, they were attempting to do right by me, and by, them, by each other, by getting married on July 23rd of 1981. They're still married today. Fantastic. But in the midst of that story, it looked a little messy at first. Jesus wasn't as apparent in the midst of that moment. Have you ever had those moments where you're like, God, are you in the middle of this? Yet as we go through the years, we're going to see how Jesus was very much not just a part of my story, but a part of your story. And when I was born through imperfect circumstances to two teenagers doing their best for each other and for me, it would be later clear that my story contained a destiny, one that ended up becoming beauty for ashes. And here's the story of Jesus is much the same, which brings me to my title today, which is Out of Brokenness. Let's pray. God, I just worship you, Lord. I thank you that In the midst of our darkest moments, in the midst of when we don't feel good enough, in the midst of just our seasons of crying out, God, that you are there, God. And I just thank you for this message that you've given me today, God. I believe that it has purpose and impact, and I just pray that you'd open our hearts and our minds to receive it in your name. Amen. Amen. So let's read about some of the characters found in Jesus' genealogy. And I just want to say this should make you feel really good. Okay, Because as we go through it, I'll just share a few of the stories quickly about these people. And you'll think, oh, that sounds like my family. And you'll leave here feeling really good about your life. Okay, That's the goal of today. So the, the, out of Matthew 1, 2 through 16, we're going to start in um, verse 2. We have Abraham who fathered Isaac, Isaac who fathered Jacob. Jacob's name literally meant deceiver. He was one who stole the blessing by his father from his brother. Jacob fathered Judah and his brothers. Judah fathered Perez and Zerah by Tamar, who deceived Judah, acting as a prostitute so that she might have an heir. So yeah, these are the things they did. Um, (laughs) Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Aram. See, I tell you, these names are impossible. As we get into verse 5, we see Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab. Yes, another prostitute. Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth, Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered King David. And if you've read anything about King David, you know that, well, he was an adulterer, a murderer, he was scared and often tormented by all his enemies, therefore he battled constantly in his mind, but God said he was a man after his own heart. So as we go through, David fathered Solomon by Uriah's wife, who was Bathsheba, the woman that he saw in a bath on a rooftop who he stole from her home, essentially, and said, Let's be together. And then you went and killed Uriah. So see, this is the mess. And as we go through verse 7 through to 16, I'm not going to read all those things because mostly I can't read the names. And you all don't need to know all that. But 7 through to verse 16 where we have Jacob who fathered Joseph, an unknowing fiance, the husband of Mary, a teenager who gave birth to Jesus who is called the Christ. So my hope for us today is to see the true gift that Jesus is to us. That we might really understand the redemptive story of his birth. But ultimately, that we might understand that in our darkest days, in our worst decision-making, and our saddest realities, Jesus still leads us to him, no matter where we've come from. The promise, the greatest hope, came out of brokenness. He had a lineage of doubters, deceivers, sexually immoral murderers, whom ultimately led to him. Thank you, Jesus. So you may be sitting here thinking, I can't see this kind of hope for my life I hear what you're saying but you don't know my life you don't know where I've come from you don't know what's happened to me you don't know the generational curse of addiction I'm trying to break I don't see how this could apply see as a parent I, I think of myself to myself often is it too late have I made too many mistakes you ever feel that way with your kids where you're just get done yelling at them none of you guys do this just me and then I go, it's too late, I've broken them, I've damaged them, I've, I've gone too far, I can't redeem this moment, they're eight, they're practically adults, <laughs> so it's over. They're on their own, they might as well be self-sufficient. You think that way, right? But we have to realize that our Savior, despite where we are, where we've come from, or who sowed into us brokenness, that He still has great purpose for us. That the story of the Savior is exactly for that reason, that we might have purpose. So I believe today we can all move from a lineage of brokenness into a legacy of hope. That sounds good, right? And now when we go back to our lineage and we see, oh, oh, this is who I came from, our hope in going back and looking back is that we might find real great purpose. We might find out that we were maybe related to the great George Washington or Martin Luther King Jr., and that's what we're looking for. We want to know that there's more. That's what, when Jesus came through this messy lineage to a humble stable, stable to begin the story of redemption, it was for a purpose. It was promised in Isaiah seven fourteen, where it says, Therefore the Lord will give you a sign, This he's our sign to us. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. In the lineage of Jesus, we can see, see the same God at work as we see in our own lives. Jesus' coming was a fulfillment of promises. It was a completion of history. It was an offer to all of us that just as we well see through his broken lineage, our broken lives don't disregard the hope that he has for us. So I want to look at one specific character who happens to be a female that was, yeah, girls. You know, the funny thing about the lineage lineage is often it was only... Um, introduced through males you would see a female only if there wasn't any male heirs so in this case the fact that Rahab who's who we're going to speak about today is in the lineage of Jesus is very important because Salmon who she married she didn't need to be in the story right he was the heir out of David to Rahab but Matthew felt it important to mention her And I think it's because it reminds us of just how broken Jesus' lineage was, but just how perfect God is to have brought him through that lineage into a legacy of hope. So in Joshua 2, we're going to read the story of Rahab. Joshua 2, 1. Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two men as spies from the Acacia Grove, saying, Go out and scout the land, especially Jericho. So they left, and they came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelite men have come here tonight to investigate the land. Then the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab and said, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, for they came to investigate the entire land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. So she said, Yes, the men did come to me, but I don't know where they were from. At nightfall, when the city gate was about to close, the men went out, and I don't know where they were going. Chase after them quickly, and you can catch them w- up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them among the stalks of flax that she had arranged on the roof. The men pursued them along, with the, ro- along the roads to the fords of the Jordan, and as soon as they left to pursue them, the city gate was shut. Verse 8. Before the men fell asleep, she went on- up on the roof and said to them, I know... Listen to this. I know that the Lord has given you this land, and that the terror of you has fallen on us, and everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. For he, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when he came, you came out of Egypt, and what you did in Sihon and, and Og, the two Amorite kings you completely destroyed across the Jordan. When we heard this, we lost heart, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God of heaven, in heaven above and on earth below. Now please swear to me by the Lord that you will also show kindness to my father's family because I showed kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, mothers, brothers, sisters and all who belong to them and save us from death. The men answered her, we will give our lives for yours. If you don't report our mission, we will show you kindness and faithfulness to you when the Lord gives us this land. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, since she lived in the house that was built into the city wall. So like Rahab, I believe there are three things that will move us out of a lineage of brokenness and into a legacy of hope. Are you ready for the first one? The first one is this. In order to move from a lineage of brokenness into a legacy of hope, we must believe for the promise. So imagine this, Joshua 2:12. We're going to read it one more time. Rahab is asking the men, to please spare her life. Now, please swear to me, swear to me, she says, by the Lord, that you will also show kindness to my father's family because I showed kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, mothers, brothers, sisters, and all who belong to them and save us from death. The introduction to this paragraph is literally the promise to Rahab. Now think about Rahab. She's a prostitute. Just bef- we, She had to trust two men and if you know anything about sex trafficking especially in our generation we a lot a lot of us do the likelihood of her being able to trust anyone not just men was very slim so for her to have to believe for the promise was a huge exercise of faith My guess is that she would have struggled with this immensely. She'd likely seen every nasty aspect of humanity laying in her bedroom. She'd likely been abused. She'd likely been tormented. She'd likely been told, I will rescue you out of this place and I will take you as my own. She'd likely been promised many things before and never seen them come to fruition. However, what I love is that in verse 9, she says that she knew that the Lord was coming. So God had already spoken promise into her life. The thing was she had to believe for the promise. And the problem is often we don't believe for the promise. Right? We know the truth of who God is in our life. We believe this ethereal idea of who Jesus is and what he did for us. But we don't engage the promise in our day-to-day life. We struggle with knowing how to believe more for ourselves. We struggle with believing that we have destiny and purpose. And I can't imagine Rahab, the disposition she must have been in, and the hopeless state she was likely in to have to believe two men, uncomfortably so, for a promise of life. I think God is asking us to rise up in faith and believe for the promise over our lives. I'm reminded of Jeremiah 29, through 13. We often stop at just 11, but I think it's all super important. It says, for I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration over you. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You will call to me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. God is asking us to take action. This is only a portion of his promise to us. Believe for the promises God longs to give you. Don't give up just short of receiving your promise. Have you ever had a goal in life and you just keep, or a prayer that you've been praying and praying and praying and you just feel like it's not coming. It's not coming. So you kind of stop praying it. You kind of stop going after that thing. And I wonder how often we're this close, short of God saying yes to our prayer when we walk away and miss it all. Rahab saw the promise fulfilled. She was bold. She asked for promise. And she saw it fulfilled in Joshua 6, 22 through 25 where it says this. Joshua said to the two men. Now these two men had to go back and convince Joshua who had been told to destroy this nation completely. Destroy everything in Jericho. All things. Everything. Nothing is to be left. You're not to take any loot. You don't get any reward from Jericho. It's all gone. So Joshua is listening to these two men who said, I promise you we will rescue you. Now they have to go back and convince Joshua that that's what's going to happen. So imagine how amazingly God's working in this story to soften Joshua's heart to say yes. So Joshua said to the two men who had scouted the land, go to the prostitute's house and bring the woman out of there. And all who are with her, just as you swore to her. So the young men who had scouted went in And brought out Rahab and her father, mother, brothers, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her whole family and settled them outside the camp of Israel. They burned the city and everything in it. But they put the silver and gold and articles of bronze. So, Joshua completed the promise to Rahab. And because she believed for the promise, she got to see God's faithfulness in full display. Number two. To move from a lineage of brokenness and engage a legacy of hope, we must allow our character to be transformed. This might be one of the hardest things, right? Okay, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to give my life to you. It's like Pastor Jason was talking about last week with Jesus take the wheel. Well, just kidding. I'll give you half and then not at all. You can sit in the passenger seat. Actually, can you move to the back? You're too loud trying to tell me what to do with my life. So allowing our our character to be transformed is a difficult thing. Rahab at the time of Joshua 2 wasn't sitting in a place of high character, right? We even see that she lies in order to be saved. She lies to the king's people in order that she might be saved. You may say, well, she had to do that in order to live. Well, that might be true, but it still demonstrates part of her character flaw. Correct? So she was likely a person who did what it would take to survive. God still very much used her, despite her character, despite her disposition. God showed himself to her. He made himself personal to her. We see this throughout the lineage of Jesus. It's not just Rahab. We go back to Abraham and Sarai before when they are told that you well have a child of your own from the womb of Sarai. They're like 100 years old, like laughing. That's hilarious. And I do the same, I'm not going to lie. If I make it to 100, I'm not going to be asking anybody for babies. So so we have Abraham and Sarai who were doubters, who would ultimately lead generation to generation to Jesus. And then we see this in Jacob. Like I said, he was a deceiver. Literally, his names meant deceiver. So if your name is Jacob, we're speaking something different over you. (laughs) He was a blessing stealer. He wrestled with God to get his blessing. I think Jake might have had small man syndrome. I'm not going to lie. He came out on the heel of Esau like, no, I'm going first. I just feel like that might have been a little bit of Jake's character. But ultimately, God transformed his character and renamed him Israel, becoming God's chosen people and continuing the lineage of the Messiah. And then later comes our friend Rahab, who's in... Living in Israel, she would have had to transform her customs. Okay, so she's been pulled out of Jericho now. Now she's living among the Israelites. It would have been required as a foreigner for her to come in and come under submission of God. So, in order to do that, you could come and be a sojourner in the land and you may not have to follow the same things. But if you came in and you live in that land and you adopt being an Israelite, You now fall under God. You now fall under the Ten Commandments, which says do not be an adulterer. So Rahab would have not only had her character have to automatically be changed because of what she was now going to live as. The great thing about Rahab is that God had already started changing it. Rahab was already being softened when we see in verse 9 that she knew that God had said these guys are taking over this place he was already speaking to her he was already transforming her he was already building faith in her and courage in her and boldness in her his character was already seeping out of her in Hebrews eleven thirty one, we remember and recognize Rahab's faith it says this by faith Rahab the prostitute welcomed the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. It was by faith her character was being transformed into one of faith. James 2.25 sees and notes her change as well. It says, In the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works in receiving the messengers and sending them out by a different route? The fact that she is mentioned in the lineage of Jesus is significant. It shows that she moved out of prostitution into a life where she married and and became a mother to Boaz contributing to the lineage of Jesus. Her faith in God led, her, led to her moving out of brokenness and into a legacy of hope. It led to transformation of character. In the same way, we are called out of that lineage of brokenness. We're called into transformation of character. We see this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. It's, it's a necessary attitude of one who says yes to Jesus. You will just automatically be lifted out of those darkest places into a new self, into new character, into transformation when you seek him with your whole heart. So it's time to move out of a lineage of brokenness and into a God-ordained legacy filled with hope and future as God transforms our character. Amen? Okay, my last point is this, and our team can come up. My last point is this, to move from a lineage of brokenness and engage a legacy of hope, we must seek to be rescued and to rescue. So here's the thing, this point maybe should have come first, but I think for many of us in this room, it's a reminder that it has to, like, this is our pivotal moment, right? We can't have the first and second point without first being rescued by Jesus. So the thing I love about Rahab is she didn't just rescue two spies from hiding them, she sought to be rescued. Here's the truth of what Christ did when he came and sealed up this history. He rescued each of us. Rahab did the same for the spies of Israel, not to compare her because we know she wasn't perfect, but Rahab sought more. She sought to be rescued. She knew the life she was in. She didn't want to die. I believe she had Seen and believed for more for her life than where she currently was. And she didn't just allow fear to take over her. She decided, I'm going to do something with this. I know this God is the right God. I know this is supposed to be my God. I want to follow this God. I'm going to ask to be rescued. I'm going to seek to be rescued. In Joshua 2, 8 through 13, it says, Before the men fell asleep, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know the Lord has given you this land and that the terror of you has fallen on us. And everyone who lives in this land is scared and they're, you know, they're scared. It's fine. We're going to move on to verse 12. Now please swear to me. Please swear to me by the Lord. She's now recognizing him as Lord. She didn't say, please swear to me by your God. She's claiming him as her own. She said, please, please swear to me by our Lord, the Lord, that you will also show kindness to my father's family because I showed kindness to you. Here's what we know about Rahab. She lived at the city gates. She was a harlot. She was spoken to by God and knew that Israel was coming. She rescued and wanted to be rescued. What we do not know is how she came into her current occupation. But this story gives insight to the knowledge that she not only wanted to live, but to live differently. No matter what in her story, I hear this cry. One like many in our generation. I want to read to you some words from a song by Lauren Daigle. It's called Rescue. See if this doesn't speak to you and your story, or if you can't just hear Rahab singing these exact words. It says this, You are not hidden. There's never been a moment. You were forgotten. You are not hopeless. Though you have been broken, your innocence stolen. I hear you whisper underneath your breath. I hear your SOS, your SOS. Here's the promise that God says. I will send out an army to find you in the middle of the darkest night. Just imagine Rahab knows the Israelite army is coming to tear down Jericho, to kill and steal and take care of everything in sight. They are going to demolish Jericho. Just imagine the cry of her heart being, God, would you rescue me? And he says, I will send out an army to find you in the middle of the darkest night. This is a song from today. This is a song for you. This is truth for you. But Rahab, you could hear her saying these words and hearing God speak to her. It's true. I will rescue you. There's no distance that can be overcome over and over. You're not defenseless. I will be your shelter. I will be your armor. Some of you need to hear this. I hear your whisper underneath your breath. I hear your SOS, God says. I will send out an army to find you, he says, in the middle of the darkest night He's coming for you. It's true. I will rescue you. I will never stop marching to reach you. In the middle of the hardest fight, it's true. I will rescue you. I hear the whisper underneath your breath. I hear you whisper you have nothing left. Whether Rahab was in this situation because of another or of her own accord, it doesn't change her need for a savior. Whether you're in a situation because of another or because of your own accord, it doesn't change your need for a Savior. It doesn't change your need to be rescued from your situation. It doesn't change your need to cry out to Him. Psalm 107, 28 says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He brought them out of their distress. This is what He says. He is a rescuer. Romans 8, 38-39 reminds us He's never left. He's always been there. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. When I look out, Jesus, Jesus's messy lineage, I have hope. When I look back at Rahab and how God worked in her story. How he gave her not just a history, but a legacy, one of hope, one of grace, one of love, one of faith, I see promise. And I go back to reflect on my own story. The one that started a little messy, but has since been intricately intertwined with God who's come after me and come for me. And I have hope everlasting I see every story as one that God longs to move out of brokenness and into a legacy of hope. Will you stand with me today? Some of you in this room may be screaming out like Rahab. You may be looking at your situation and wondering, where is God in all of this? You may be ready to engage this Jesus you've just heard, keeps promises, changes your character, and rescues you out of the darkest pits.